Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Good morning, City Light. How we doing? Good. It is so good to see you guys here this morning. And we actually got this new mic and tested it earlier, but as happens, things always seem to go awry. (laughs) Just keep talking, they say, so I'll just keep talking. Uh, My name is Chuck, and uh, I love being a part of planting this church with you guys. Uh, Man, I love planting this church with you, Kenan. Uh, thanks so much uh, for leading us in worship. Uh, you preach fire and you lead worship like none other, man. So, so thankful for what you do. Appreciate it all. Um, it's fun to be a part of this with you guys. Um, man, it, it, it's a lot of work though, isn't it? Like planting a church is a lot of work. It seems like we're always recruiting for a serving team. Uh, we're always recruiting for say, like kids or hospitality or security or whatever. But man, can I just encourage you guys? It is worth it. It is worth planting a church on the west end of Council Bluffs. It's, gonna, it's worth it when we see people who have never expressed faith in Jesus come to know Jesus. God's going to bless us with that. We trust and hope and pray for that often, that there are going to be people in our neighborhood who, neighborhood who come to know and trust Jesus because there's a church planted here on the corner of 32nd and C. And so I just want to let you guys know, I'm thankful that you guys don't just, uh, don't just come to church, but you actually are the church. So, so grateful for you, grateful for, uh, for you guys. Um, we are in a series uh, from the book of First Peter, and we're calling it, We Are for His Glory. We are for His Glory. Um, last week, Kenan talked about we are born again for His glory. This week, we're talking about we are different for His glory, and we're preaching this out of the book of First Peter. The Bible is a, a, a one large book made up of 66 individual books. And within those 66 individual books, you have an Old Testament and you have a New Testament. The Old Testament talks about what life was like before Jesus ever came. And the New, Text, New Testament describes uh, who Jesus is, tells, tells us about what Jesus did, and the effects that we get to experience, the life that we get to experience because of that. So the Bible, in essence, you could say the Bible is one big book, but it's all about Jesus. The Bible is one big book, and it points to Jesus every time. Um, First Peter is in the New Testament. It's in that, that part of the Bible, and it was written by Peter. Yeah, it was written by Peter. And the best way to think of the book of First Peter is like you would think of a letter, all right? So Peter, the apostle, he's a dude that was called by Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He messed up a time or two and was rebuked by Jesus. He preached a sermon um, and uh, thousands of people came to know Jesus. 
So that guy wrote a letter to a bunch of churches in a region that is probably about the size of like the southwest United States. Like you think of the area from like Texas all the way over to like Arizona, Nevada. That's the area, that's about the size of the area where you had all of these dozens, maybe hundreds of churches. It's hard to say, but there were tons of churches in this area. And Peter wrote this letter from Rome to encourage and help out this uh, group of people, these different churches that were experiencing persecution. They were living in a land that wasn't their own. They were experiencing all kinds of persecution. So Peter wrote by inspiration from the Holy Spirit this letter. Maybe he sent it by FedEx, UPS. I don't know exactly how it got there. I'm sure it went by foot. I'm just joking there. But um, this, these churches were going through a really different, different, difficult time. And a key component is that they do it together. They did it together for God's glory. We're not, we're not just talking about going through difficult times, just going through it. We're actually talking about how can we grow through it. And that's what Peter was trying to get across for the glory of God. Um, today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about we are different for his glory. We are different for his glory. And here's what I want to do this morning. The Bible shows us as Kenan preached last week, that we are born again. We are born again for his glory. And the Bible shows us that because we are born again, we are different. To live different because Jesus makes us different. Makes a difference. We, we are born again. We are different to live different because Jesus makes a difference. All right? Let's get started this morning. Um, we are different because we are born again. Now, being born again means to be different. One thing leads to the, to the other. Um, our identity of being born again drives our activity, all right? Who we are, who we see ourselves to be has an effect on what we do. So Peter starts off with reminding us in this letter reminding us that we are born again we are made different by Jesus I'm not going to re-preach what Kenan preached last week but I do want to remind us that we are born again by Jesus and it means that we have a living hope within us we have a newfound hope within us and it causes us being born again causes us to live a different life we have a life to live, a purpose to fulfill. To be born again means that at one time you were dead in your sin with no hope. And by believing that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you, you're born again. You're given new life. You're given a new purpose. Being born again doesn't mean that you were baptized as a baby. Or when you were six. Or even when you were 60, for that matter. That's not what being born again means. It means that at some point in your life, you understood that there was this great chasm between you and God. And that sin created that chasm. You are separated by sin from God. It's this big chasm. And you can do nothing to cross that chasm. You can't build a bridge to cross that chasm. 
You, your good works won't do anything for you. Being born into the right family doesn't mean that you get to cross that chasm. Coming to enough worship gatherings doesn't guarantee that you crossed that chasm. Being born again means that you know and trust and believe that Jesus built the bridge across that chasm whenever he died on the cross and shed his blood. And that you do nothing to earn it. You just simply walk across to to God through Jesus. That's what it means to be born again. It starts with identity. We are born again. Now, this is where it's going to get fun. This is where it's going to get fun. We are born again, which means there's another life that we are supposed to be living, right? And Peter refers to us as exiles in verse 1. When we believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did it for us, we are born again for something. And let me show you what that means. Take a look at verse number 13. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's a tip. As you're reading the Bible, uh, as you're doing some study in the Bible, um, it's, it's good to pay attention to uh, key words. And one of those key words is, therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, you always ask, what, what's it there for? That's right. You, all, you guys know how to study the Bible. Whenever you see a therefore, you always ask, what is it there for? You should always ask that. Um, this, this therefore here in verse number 13, 13 it reminds us um, of our identity. It reminds us of being born again. We look back to the verses that were just there, and it reminds us that, therefore, because of all of this, this is what we do now. Because of all of this, this is what is true now. So, um, the therefore reminds us of our identity being born again. So, it actually could say, if you wanted to paraphrase a little bit of what's going on in 1 Peter chapter 1, you could say, because of this new identity of being born again, prepare your minds for action. Now, we got to stop again there because we got to talk about this phrase, prepare your minds for action. Um, That's not something that we hear a lot. Um, The original, like if you trace it back, one of the original um, translations, it says, gird up the loins of your mind. Does that clear it up for you guys? <laughs> Gird up the loins of your mind. That doesn't help much because we don't necessarily talk a lot about girding up our loins, do we? Not something we frequently mention at the dinner table. Um, but the picture that, that Peter is painting here is that we run hard. We're getting ready to run hard. Um, it's a picture of someone getting ready to move. So think about it like this. Back in, the, um, back in the New Testament, they didn't have things like, they didn't have companies like Levi Strauss, right? They didn't have Wrangler or Lee or whatever types of jeans you wear. Those dudes and women, but I'm talking about guys, you know, guys wore robes. And whenever they wanted to, to move, they had to fix their robe in such a way, like, 
You couldn't go out and get some Adidas activewear. You couldn't go get some, you know, some Nike shorts if you wanted to, to go run somewhere. You had to take your robe, and I wanted, I, I almost, I almost took a robe and, and tried to do this, but I thought it would be too much of a stra- distraction. But picture a robe, you're literally pulling it up, and you're wrapping it around yourself to where it kind of, it kind of looks like you're wearing a diaper around your loins. That's not my word. That is, that's, that's the word that the Bible is using here. These cats wore robes. They had, whenever they wanted to run or get some more quickly, they had to fix their robe in such a way that they could use their legs without tripping over their themselves. So, if they wanted to run for whatever reason, that's what they had to do. But you get the idea. Peter is saying here, because of what Jesus has done in you, because you were born to a living hope, get ready to run. Get, get your mind ready to go. Prepare your mind for action. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get ready to go. And it starts right here in our mind. Right? we got to get our mind prepared for action to go and do something. Get our mind prepared to move. That is what Peter is talking about here. Now, two more things before we move on from verse number 13. As we prepare our mind... It talks about being sober, right? Being sober. Um, So we think clearly for the future hope of seeing Jesus. Let's look at that verse one more time in verse number 13. Can you guys put that up there? It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because we are born again, we are different. So get ready to run and let's live different. That's what Peter is trying to get us across. He's trying to, trying to get us prepped up to do something different, to move into a different area of life, to be different. Prepare your mind. Let's get ready to go. So I feel like Peter is saying, hey, this is who you are, so let's go. Um, if, if Peter were the captain of a football team, I think you'd be like, Hey, what time is it? Game time. I feel like he would be in the huddle and he'd be like, what time is it? It's game time. So let's go. He would be the one saying, Hey, Jesus didn't bring us this far to just bring us this far. We've got more things that he's calling us to do. We are to be different. We are to be different. We are to live differently. So let's go. Jesus is the MVP that plays both sides of the ball and we are guaranteed a W. So let's go and play these four quarters trusting and knowing that Jesus has got it taken care of. That's what Peter is doing here in verse 13. Prepare yourself. Let's get ready to go because we need to move. So now that we know we're ready to move, now that we know that we're, Peter's calling us in to be different, that we got to uh, do something different, what do we do? So 
we are different to live different. And let's take a, take a look at what that means. Um, let's take a look at verses 14 through 21. I'll read those again. It says, as obedient children, do, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were once you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Um, We are different to live different. And we do it because Jesus makes a difference. And I want us to see the, uh, the places where we, where we are called to live different in, uh, in some of these passages of Scripture. Look at verse number 14. It says, As obedient children, here it is, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verse 16, it says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. You see, we're, we're being called to live different. We are different, therefore we live different. One more, look at verse 17. It says, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile. Peter is saying that as believers, we are to be different from those that are around us. As exiles, as people living as exiles in a foreign land, we should be different. And the word exile is interesting because it's not something that we historically can relate to much, can we? I don't know too many people in this room that have actually lived as an exile in another country um, for the purpose of returning back home. But it's uh, an exile is someone that moves from uh, one place to another to temporarily take up residence in that place. That's what an exile is. It's, it's different, like... When you think of, uh, of people immigrating or um, like an immigrant coming into the United States from, you know, Germany or, or Mexico or wherever, they move into this place because they want to make the United States their home. But an exile isn't like that. An exile lives in a foreign land for the purpose of hopefully one day returning back home. An exile is different from a tourist, Right? A tourist will go into a different country or uh, wherever and they will actually care, not, not really care much about that particular place. They're just there for a period of time to get some rest and relaxation, maybe a little bit of entertainment. That, but that's the idea of a tourist. We're not tourists as we live through this land. We're, we're not immigrants. We don't call this place our home. As believers, as being born again, we are exiles. We live here. We invest here. We um, do our best to build up our community, but we know and hope and understand and trust that our home is in a different place. I love living in the West End of Council Bluffs. 
But this is not my home. My home is in heaven. My home is a different place. But I live here, invest in this community for the betterment of this community. And as to do that, we, we live different. It may not seem like we are exiles, but we are exiles. So let me ask you this question. What does it look like for us to practically live different as exiles in this, in this world? What, what does that look like for us? Let me, let me see if, if this helps. So how about we live different in the way we work, right? Our culture sees work as a means to success, as a means to get money. Uh, Money's good. It's not bad. But that's not the reason we work. A lot of times when when your purpose is success or when when you find all your purpose in in work and, and money becomes the thing or success becomes the thing or people's applause becomes the thing that you're chasing after, you end up working too much. And you never get rest, right? So what does it look like for us to live as exiles, people who have been born again, uh, who are different? What does it look like for us to live different in regards to our work? Well, we, we work for the glory of God. We work to spread his fame. The money that we get, we use differently. The things that we do, we, we do differently. We work for his glory because we want him to get all the fame. As exiles, we live different. We're called to work hard, but we work for God's glory, not our own. We know that we're called to rest, right? Work isn't the sole purpose. We're we're called to rest and to worship. Even if that means that we're greeted by a full inbox on Monday morning, we take a break because that's what God has called us to do. We work hard, but we rest well. So what does it... What, what, what does it look like uh, for us to live different? We, it, we can live different in the way that we work. Um, we are also called to live different in the way we spend our time. Um, without even realizing it, we could spend hours just scrolling on our phone, can't we? We can spend hours setting down and watching our favorite streaming app. Guilty. So what does it look like for us to live different? We can live different by using technology to enrich our lives instead of allowing it to rule over us. We can send that text to that friend to help build them up. We can send a text to um, that brother or that sister that we know may be experiencing a hard time just to check in on them to see how they're doing. We can... um, Go on to YouTube or one of your favorite streaming apps and see what it looks like to, uh, to actually get some knowledge and some training in, in, uh, in the Bible or some different, different things like that. We can use those things and leverage those things so that we can actually build up the body of Christ rather than simply use it for entertainment. We live different by using technology to enrich our lives instead of allowing it to rule over us. Um, we could also just pull away from it, right? Just pull completely away from it and meditate on uh, what God would have as a meditative verse or a song or something like that. Um, thirdly, we can live different in our relationships. 
Uh, we live in a culture where uh, hookups and um, uh, living together is something that is pretty commonplace, right? So in our in our relationships, we value uh, we value uh, purity and chastity. We value commitment in a culture that values hookups and living together. What does it look like for us to live differently? Well, it means that that we uh, we wait to have sex until we're married. And we have sex with only the person that we're married to. That's what it looks like to live different in a world as, in this culture, as exiles. We live different and forsake sex and comfort despite emotional and financial cost. So what's another way? We, we can live different in how we handle anger or frustration. Like what does, the, what does our culture tell us to do with our anger? Take vengeance, right? Or, or it, it says uh, vengeance or just disconnect. If there's any conflict, just disconnect from it or take vengeance on it. If you're angry, get after that person or completely withdraw from that person. That's what our culture tells us to do. So how do we live different in how we anger or handle our anger or frustration? Well, we confront, right? We confront selflessly. We check ourselves on where we are. We confront selflessly, patiently. We forgive, and then we move on. We live differently by keeping a record, by not keeping a record of wrongs. That's how we live differently in this world as exiles. So that's what it means to live different. Uh, we're different, therefore, we live different, and here's why. So we're born again, we're different, and we live different, and here's why. Because Jesus makes a difference, right? Jesus makes a difference. Look at verse number 18. It says, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. See, like, we aren't called to live different in our own power. Like, we're not given a list saying, if you live different this way, then you're going to be good to go. We, we aren't called to live different with our own power. We are called to live different because of what Jesus Christ did for, did for us on the cross. We are different to live different because Jesus makes a difference. Jesus has made a difference in our lives. Look how Peter, look at how Peter talks about the work that Jesus did. All right? He says we were ransomed. That word ransomed means that we were bought back. Peter is showing us how Jesus makes a difference. His work on the cross, what he did on the cross, it bought us back from captivity. We were once captive to all these things that we just talked about. We were once captive to work being our meaning. We were once captive to relationships being messed up. We were once captive to our anger and our frustration. We were once captive to all the sin that easily besets us. We were once captive to that. But because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we're bought back. We're ransomed. We're actually bought out of that now. And we can be free from all of that. We're no longer captive to it. 
think about it this way. Um, it goes on to say that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Now think about it this way. There was nothing handed down to us that our, that our, by our forefathers that could save us. Right? All these different things that we've talked about. I get angry because my dad was angry. Marriage has never really been a part of our family. Money. I got, I got some money, but it's not going not gonna to save us. Think about it this way. Our greatest accomplishments are usually things that we hand down to our children, right? A lot of times, it's what we hand down to our kids. And each generation tends to, to build on that. Some people work all of their lives so that they could have something to pass down to their family. But money doesn't save us from our sin. Money doesn't save us from our sin. Money is awesome, but money is not a savior. You've been ransomed from the futile ways and those things that are inherited from your forefathers. Scientific discoveries. Every generation um, has passed something down to the next generation. When I think of... um, when I think of uh, what has been passed down to us, we were passed down automobiles and the atom bomb, right? <laughs> one is helpful, one isn't. Neither one of them help us understand who Jesus is better. Neither one of them uh, save us. Science doesn't save us from our sin. What are we passing down? Whatever we're passing down, it's, it's futile is what Peter says. It's not going to... Um, it's not going to save anyone. Um, here's a big one. We all want to pass down an ideal country with the right political system in charge, right? Peter says that is futile. That's the futile ways uh, of, of our forefathers. These are all great accomplishments that are handed down from one generation to another, but none of them can save Our problem isn't money or science or the right political system. Our problem is sin. And the only thing that can fix that is what Jesus did on the cross. The only thing that can save us is the perfect death of the eternal Son of God. Let me read it again. Verse number 18. It says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. None of those types of things can save you. Things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of of a lamb without blemish or spot. The only thing that can save us is what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, City Light, we are different. We're different to live different because Jesus has made a difference. Now, let me share two more verses with you. Verses 20 and 21. It says, He, talking about Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. See, like Jesus makes a difference. 
I feel like in some ways, this sermon has not gotten across exactly what I'm trying to get across. My point this morning is that we are born again. If you've trusted what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, you are born again. And so often, we start running after other things. We start chasing after other stuff. And if we are to live in this world, in our culture as exiles, to make a difference, then we've got to be different. If if we are going to have an impact on the west end of Council Bluffs, like we want to have an impact, if we want dozens or hundreds or thousands of people to come to know Jesus, we got to look different. We live differently. We handle our emotions differently. We don't gossip at work like other people gossip at work. People need to see a distinction in us if they're ever going to believe that what we say about Jesus actually means something. You guys tracking with me? We are different. We are born again. We are different to live different because Jesus has made a difference in our life. Jesus makes the difference. And this past week is... I was looking at at verses 20 and 21. Um, Those two words there, in God, kept kept messing with me. He, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times in the sake for you, who through him are we, this is us he's talking about, who through him are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead. God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The whole point of all of this is to give us a firsthand direct relationship with God. We all need to be reminded of that. As a pastor on Sunday mornings, our hope and our prayer every Sunday is that people come into this place and experience the manifest presence of God. That's what we pray for often. That people would experience the manifest presence of God. So let me ask you. Have you seen or felt or valued what Jesus did on the cross for you? Have you experienced the manifest presence of God? Do you expect to experience the manifest presence of God. Have you been born again? Simple question. Have you been born again? Is it moving you to live differently? Is it causing you to to be different from those that are around you? And has the beauty of what He has done overcome you? See, like we are, we're, we're, if you've trusted Jesus, we're different. We're born again. We're different. We're to live different because Jesus has made a difference in our life. You guys tracking with me? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Um, 
Thank you, Lord, for um, showing us what it looks like to follow you. Um, Father, thank you for um, the reminder in your word to conduct ourselves differently, to move in a direction that you're calling us to move to. Um, Thank you, Lord, for um, spelling out things uh, to not to not be a captive and reminding us, Lord, that you've ransomed, ransomed us. You've bought us back from those things that hold us captive. God, I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that as we um, move on into um, communion, Father, that we would be reminded of your grace through Jesus. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.